people all over the world have been drinking tea for centuries, and for good reason. A growing field of research has shown that tea has a role to play in reducing the risk of many chronic diseases. And on top of that, a good cup of tea has a real calming and relaxing effect. Just what we need in these stressful times. So put the kettle on, sit back and relax as I explore the health benefits of tea. Welcome to the Thinking Nutrition Podcast. My name is Tim Crow, and I'm a career researcher, educator, and science communicator with most of this spent in the field of nutrition. How do you make sense of so much conflicting information in the field of nutrition? While I don't profess to have all the answers in an area that is continually changing as research changes, you can count on what is covered in this podcast to be based on the whole field of nutrition science, not just selective areas that support a particular way of thinking. And this podcast will always be free from any commercial product tie-ins, endorsements, or advertisements. Just credible nutrition science presented in plain and simple language, and then translating this into what it means for your health. So on with today's show. After water, tea is the most popular beverage drunk in the world. Tea drinking has long been considered a healthy habit since ancient times. Now, modern medical research is providing a scientific basis for this belief. While some brews provide more health advantages than others, there's plenty of evidence that regularly drinking tea can have a lasting impact on your health. It is the beneficial bioactive compounds found in tea that are linked to reducing the risk of developing chronic diseases, such as heart disease, diabetes, some forms of cancer, and maybe even improving mental health. In today's podcast, when I talk about tea, I'm specifically referring to the main varieties that come from the plant Camellia sinensis. From this plant, comes most of the popular brews, including black tea, green tea, white tea, and oolong tea. There is often a misconception that herbal tea is also tea. However, herbal tea is not made from the plant Camellia sinensis, and instead is made from infusions of various herbs and spices, like chamomile and peppermint. So I won't be touching on those ones at all. I'll just be sticking to traditional tea and its common varieties. This popular little shrub is native to China and India and contains a unique mix of a family of bioactive compounds called polyphenols. Two in particular, called catechins and theoflavins, are the main polyphenolic compounds in tea and are thought to be responsible for most of the physiologic effects of tea. Then there is also some caffeine too. Not as much as coffee, but enough there to give some level of mental effect. Black, green and oolong tea all come from the same plant, but each has their own unique flavour profiles because of how they are processed after picking. The more processed the tea leaves, usually the less their polyphenol content. Oolong and black teas are oxidized or fermented, so they have lower concentrations of polyphenols than green tea, but the levels are still considered very high. 
For green tea, tea leaves are harvested, then quickly heated and dried to prevent too much oxidation and fermentation from happening, which would otherwise turn the green leaves brown and alter their fresh pick flavor. For black tea, tea leaves are exposed to air to allow them to ferment for several hours by natural enzymes found in the leaf. This oxidation process turns leaves a deep brown color, and during this process, the flavor is intensified. The leaves are then left as such or are heated, dried, and crushed. Black tea has the highest content of caffeine of the different tea varieties, but it is still much less than a regular cup of coffee. Oolong tea is produced by pastoral oxidation of the tea leaf, so it's intermediate between the processes used to make green and black tea. And now onto those health benefits. So those polyphenols that I mentioned before are the stars of the show when it comes to the health benefits of tea. But first, a brief reading about tea and health on the internet will bring up article after article banging on about the polyphenols being antioxidants, and that explains their health benefits. Nutrition science, though, has well and truly moved on from using such simplistic language and concepts to describe how these thousands of polyphenols found in food work. Focusing only on antioxidants or a single phytonutrient is like zeroing in on a section of a painting and seeing only the dots. You need to step back and see the bigger picture. It should instead be about polyphenols and their multitude of benefits and actions in the body, such as regulating cell growth and cell death, slowing down cancer cell proliferation, altering glucose responses and insulin sensitivity, increasing activity of enzymes involved in removing harmful substances from the body, and also decreasing inflammation. And just for fun, to show how complex it all is, even our gut microbiota is also involved in the metabolism of polyphenols. So a healthy gut microbiome may even help augment the function of polyphenols. So see how simplistic it is just to talk about tea being full of antioxidants and health. So tea drinkers may be helping to keep their hearts healthy. Some research has shown a reduced risk of heart disease in people who regularly drink green, or black tea, although the findings have been mixed in terms of tea's effect on lowering cholesterol and blood pressure, and most of the research is observational. It seems that tea can reduce low-density lipoprotein, or LDL cholesterol, which is the bad cholesterol that can build up in arteries, while at the same time increasing the more beneficial high-density lipoprotein, or HDL cholesterol, which helps to remove excess cholesterol from the blood. Several studies have shown that tea may favorably alter glucose metabolism and insulin signaling, which has spurred interest in the health effects of tea consumption on diabetes. Some studies suggest that catechins found in green tea may help to keep blood sugar levels in check, reducing the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. A 2014 meta-analysis of 15 published studies involving more than 500,000 participants found, as seen with coffee, an inverse relationship between tea consumption 
and the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. So for each additional two cups per day of tea drunk, the risk of developing diabetes dropped by almost 5%. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. Though there is a lot of information online about tea as a cancer-fighting beverage, research has not proven that consuming tea helps to reduce the risk of cancer. Some studies suggest that tea drinkers have a lower risk of certain types of cancer, but other studies do not support these findings. At this time, it is unknown if tea drinking can reduce your risk of cancer. And if we look at what the World Cancer Research Fund says, which is the the highest peak body in the area of cancer in the world, they find that there is only a limited suggestive evidence that it may help lower the risk of bladder cancer and its crickets for most other forms of cancer. And agreeing with the findings of the World Cancer Research Fund, a Cochrane systematic review that looked at associations between green tea and the risk of cancer, which included 51 studies containing more than 1.6 million participants, also found conflicting results and was not able to make any firm recommendations about tea helping to reduce the risk of cancer. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. And next we have the claims made about tea and weight loss, more specifically green tea. Green tea is believed to be able to increase a person's energy output, which could help with weight loss. Many of the commercial green tea weight loss preparations contain higher concentrations of ingredients, specifically catechins and caffeine, than you would find in a typical green tea beverage, which is made from a tea bag in added to boiling water. So it's the supplements that are studied in clinical trial rather than the beverage itself. So does popping a green tea extract pill help someone lose weight? Many clinical trials have been carried out with different findings from each of them. Combining all of the research together was the goal of a Cochrane review, which is considered the upper echelon of evidence-based recommendations. The review looked at 15 weight loss studies of around three months duration each. And three studies looked at weight maintenance. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. Each study involved some form of a green tea preparation given to one group of people with the results compared to a group receiving a placebo. All studies involved the participants being blinded to which group they were allocated to. Because if you give a supplement to a person and tell them it will likely help them lose weight, then they will believe that and that may change their behavior independent of the effect of the tea itself. So the clear conclusion was that the weight loss in people who had taken a green tea supplement was not statistically different from the placebo group. And the absolute amount of weight loss seen was very, very small and not likely to be clinically important. Studies examining the effect of green tea preparations on weight maintenance did not show any benefit either compared to the use of a placebo preparation. So if green tea is a true weight loss miracle, then most of the miracle will be because a person believes it works and adjusts their eating and activity habits accordingly. That's it. Now on to mental health. One recent health condition being linked with tea consumption is depression. 
Now, inflammation is part of the body's response to stress and as such is thought to affect the production and function of neurotransmitters associated with depression symptoms. Tea, especially green tea, is thought to have a beneficial effect on the prevention and management of depression due to its anti-inflammatory properties. Green tea also contains large amounts of an amino acid called theanine, which has been shown in laboratory studies to have a relaxing effect on the brain by increasing serotonin and dopamine production. So what does the research say about tea and depression? Well, a 2016 meta-analysis of 11 studies involving over 23,000 participants found that for every three cups of tea consumed per day, the relative risk of depression decreased by 37%. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. So regular drinkers of green tea appear to have lower rates of depression, but more definitive research is needed to be able to state with some conviction that the link is a direct one. Until such research findings are in, sit back and enjoy a relaxing cup of tea or two. Now, a question I've been asked before is if putting milk in your tea will block the absorption of all those beneficial polyphenols. While it was thought in the past that it would do this, current expert opinion is that the effect is quite negligible. At the end of all this, there are lots of health benefits to drinking tea. But to be honest, when I look at the total research related to tea, and compare that to the quantity and quality of research to do with coffee, I would have to say that coffee is in front here. So catch my earlier podcast about the surprising health benefits of coffee to get the lowdown on this. But it is all a moot point in comparing tea to coffee. They're both great beverages. If you enjoy coffee, keep drinking it. And if you enjoy tea, keep drinking it and carry on. Now, onto my research wrap-up segment, where I profile a study that has grabbed my attention during the week. And this one is to do with one of my favorite foods, blueberries. Blueberries are much more than a deliciously sweet fruit. Medical science is looking into the health benefits that this powerhouse fruit can give. Blueberries are high in plant chemicals called anthocyanins. These anthocyanins are a type of flavonoid found naturally in several foods, and these chemicals have antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties. They are also the pigments that give red, purple, and blue plants their rich coloring, with the color changing depending on the pH of the food. Observational research points to regular blueberry eaters having lower rates of heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Such research, though, cannot conclusively prove that blueberries on their own are responsible for the health benefit. To date, though, no longer-term clinical trials have been done to see if eating blueberries can reduce the risk of metabolic disease. Filling the research gap, British researchers have carried out a six-month randomized controlled trial to see if eating blueberries had any effect on metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome is a collection of symptoms including high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and excess fat around the abdomen with abnormal levels of blood lipids. Someone with metabolic syndrome has a very high risk of developing heart disease, stroke, and diabetes. 
A group of 115 volunteers with an average age of 62 years took part in the study. All the people had metabolic syndrome, and each person was randomly assigned to eat either one cup, that's about 150 grams, or half a cup, which is about 75 grams, of blueberries each day. A third group was given a purple-coloured placebo food that had none of the anthocyanins that are found in blueberries, and I'll link to this study in the show notes. After six months, it was the group of people eating a cup of blueberries each day that saw a clear health benefit. There was a significant improvement in their blood vascular health with better blood flow and less arterial stiffness. Arterial stiffness describes the rigidity of the arterial wall and is linked to the developing of heart disease. Also, in this study, those eating the blueberries saw their good HDL cholesterol levels go up, especially in people who were not taking statin medications, which are used to help lower cholesterol. The favorable changes in metabolic health would be expected to translate into a fall in cardiovascular disease risk by between 11 and 15%. Blue is the new black in the world of nutrition research, and this latest research into delicious blueberries adds more evidence for the health benefits they can offer. You can enjoy your blueberries fresh, but for convenience and when they are out of season, you can't go past having frozen blueberries on hand. And as a bonus for choosing frozen, because they are processed and frozen soon after picking, the nutrient losses are small, with research showing that drying and freezing blueberries has no impact on the antioxidant activity of anthocyanins found in these blueberries. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Thinking Nutrition.